श्रीला प्रभु पार की जय जय प्रभु हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा श्रीला प्रभु पार की जय सो We're going to continue speaking about Radharani, and this will be the last day. And we're going to celebrate today by speaking about Radharani in the Rasa Lila, because everything we've been talking about is preparing us to hear the Rasa Lila in pure consciousness. But specific aspects of the Rasa Lila, which glorify the supreme position of Radharani, and We've been talking a little bit about it, and I thought, well, let's read from the Bhagavatam, and we can deal with it directly. So that's what we have in store for us today. So remember everything we've taught in the last two weeks about Radharani, and then hopefully you'll have no material conception, and you'll be able to understand. We'll be able to understand. But at this point, I will chant Jai Radhamadava, waiting. And this way we can wait for everyone to come. Um, hmm. Hare Krishna. I was hoping I could set my camera lower resolution because it's choppy. And I set my camera at lower resolution, but it came into Facebook at higher resolution. So if anyone knows, how to set it lower resolution in Facebook, let me know. Um, I'm using my phone for something else right now. And we don't have this problem on my phone. Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Radha Madhava Punjabi Hari Gopi Sinabhava Giri Bharathari Gopi Sinabhava Giri Bharathari Shodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Shodhanandana Brajajana Ranjana Shodhanandana Brajajana Ranjana Shodhanandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tira Panachari Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Kobizanabalava Kiribarthari Kobizanabalava Kiribarthari Shodhanandana Brajajana Ranjana Shodhanandana Brajajana Ranjana 
Jamunatira Panachari Jamunatira Panachari For those who arrived late, um, I explained that we're going to be reading from the Bhagavatam, from the tenth canto, the chapter in the Rasalila where Krishna leaves the gopis. <coughs> Radharani has left, and now Krishna is leaving. Um, I think we've been well prepared to study this. And how Krishna, we, we had discussed how Krishna cannot enjoy anything material. And so, anything that looks material, it's not because he can't enjoy anything material. And the other thing was that we said that the gopis, and especially Radha, only what they do is only for Krishna's pleasure. So they can't do anything which isn't for Krishna's pleasure, and even if it looks like it's for Krishna's pleasure, it's not for their pleasure, it's for his pleasure, even though it may not look that way. So, um, I'm sorry for the, sh the video starting and stopping. I, I thought I'd lower the resolution on my camera, and that's what's causing the problem because the, I'm getting a, I get a weak signal in my office. And if anyone knows how to change it in Facebook, let me know because I don't know. And the last time I tried to change it, I ended up logging out of Facebook. So I don't know if you can tolerate a jagged video. But I understand that you can hear me well. It's just the video is... Anyway, um, if there's a problem, let me know. And we're going to read... Mm. So what happened was... <coughs> Radha felt neglected. She left the Rasa dance. The gopis thought they each have Krishna. They thought that they're all special. Krishna said, I have to leave for two reasons, to show them they're not the most special and to create separation, which will increase their love. So 
After that happened, the gopis were feeling so much separation, they began imitating Krishna. And just to remember him, so they would imitate, they were playing and acting his leelas. Imitating, not trying to be him, but enacting his leelas in order to remember him. So this verse I'm reading is from the 10th Cantor, chapter 30, text 24. And you'll see what's happening. While the gopis were thus imitating Krishna's pastimes and asking, oh yeah, they were asking all the creepers, have you seen Krishna? And asking Vrindavan's creepers and trees where Krishna, the supreme soul, might be, they happened to see his footprints in a corner of the forest. Hmm. They're on the trail. The marks of a flag, lotus, thunderbolt, elephant, goad, barley corn, and so forth on these footprints clearly distinguish them as belonging to that great soul, the son of Maharajananda. Mm. Sound is good, but it's lagging. Okay, no problem. We'll just lag. We'll continue to lag. And um, about two weeks, I get n internet just for my office, so that should solve the problem. And if anyone can figure out how to change the settings of the camera in Facebook, probably I have to change them before I log in. Um, I don't probably have to do that. Okay, I'm going to click something. Hope I don't lose you. Says stream of nothing's happening. So I have to do all this before before I give class. Okay. We'll continue reading. So they saw the unmistakable unmistakable signs of Krishna's footprints. Signs on his feet indicating that this is Krishna. The gopis began following Krishna's path as shown by his many footprints. But when they saw that these footprints were thoroughly intermixed with those of his dear most consort, they became perturbed and spoke as follows. So they said, mention his dear most consort. Consort, <coughs> we know this is Radharani, but as we said, Sukadev did not mention her name, mention her by name. He mentions her, but not by name. Here we see the footprints of some gopi who must have been walking along with the son of Nanda Maharaj. He must have put his arm on her shoulder, just as an elephant rests his trunk on the shoulder of an accompanying she-elephant. So they're becoming a little humbled now, thinking, oh, this gopi is special, more than we are. Certainly this particular gopi has perfectly worshipped the all-powerful personality of Godhead Govinda, since he was so pleased with her that he abandoned the rest of us and brought her to a secluded place. Okay, so now let's look at the Sanskrit. Anaya radito nunam. So anaya means by her and aradito, perfectly worshipped. So you may remember we had discussed 
that the name of Radharani is not mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam because Sukadev Goswami felt that just by saying the name Radha or Sri Radha or Rad Sri Radha Rani, he would ex- exhibit ecstatic symptoms. And one of the ecstatic symptoms is choking of the voice. And he would choke. And <clears throat> in that choke state, he wouldn't be able to speak Bhagavatam. So he thought, better I don't mention her by name. Because once I hear that now you might say, well, he's mentioning her. Um, anyway, that was his thinking. If I say her name, then I think of her, I'm okay. But if I say her name, I will lose it to be colloquial American English. Sugadeva Goswami would lose it. Uh, lose it in ecstasy of love of Radha and then he wouldn't be able to speak and the Bhagavatam would not be spoken in its entirety. That was his thinking. But the Acharyas tell us that actually Radharani's name is mentioned and this is the verse. And when they say her name is mentioned, they say, Anaya Radito. Anaya Radito. She's mentioned by this. Here, let's we break the words up. Anaya means by her and Aradito perfectly worshipped. Krishna was perfectly worshipped by this gopi. No name. But everyone knows who this gopi is. Translation. Certainly this particular gopi perfectly worshipped the all-powerful personality of Godhead Govinda since he was so pleased with her that he abandoned the rest of us and brought her to a secluded place. Let's read the purport. It's interesting. So, as I said, these are very, very high things. This is the the epitome of love in the universe is between Radha and Krishna, and this is the epitome of their love. And so as long as you enter the hearing process of this Leela with the understanding that Radha's, Radha's only, only thought only, only exists to please Krishna, and whatever she does is only for Krishna's pleasure, and that Krishna does not enjoy anything material and Radha is not material, that this this is totally transcendental. And the more we understand the transcendental nature, the more we transcend, the more we become purified. Like in the Gita, Krishna says, Janma Karma, Janma Karma, Chame Dibyam. My Janma, my birth, my karma, my activities are Dibyam, transcendental. And Janma karma chamedeva yam evam yo bitti tattvataha. If you understand, if you understand tattva, the tattva of the janma and karma, chaktva deha punar janma. When you give up this body, punar janma, again you will not take birth. Chaktva deha punar janma, naiti. No, you won't take birth. Mam eti, so Arjuna, Arjuna, you will come to me. Because you will understand, if you understand my birth and activities, it means, in order to understand, you have to be transcendental. 
You have to be above the modes of nature. But at the same time, by hearing about it, it brings us above the modes of nature. So that's what we're doing. So let's see. Let's see if this can help you. We, we enter this arena with caution, for sure. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti explains that the word Radhita refers to Srimati Radharani. He comments, quote, The sage Sukadeva Goswami has tried with all endeavor to keep her name hidden. <coughs> but now it automatically shines forth from the moon of his mouth, <coughs> albeit in a covered way. That he has spoken her name is indeed her mercy. And thus the word aradita is like the rumbling of a kettle drum sounded to announce her great good fortune. Although the gopis spoke, another point, although the, so, it said he didn't speak her name, as general understanding. And it's also said here, he did speak her name. So you can, you can take it that he didn't. You can take it that he did. You can take it that her name is not in Bhagavatam. You can take it that it is. But generally the conclusion is that her name is not in the Bhagavatam and he didn't speak it. At least he didn't speak the name Radha. So what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is saying is that he did speak it, but he didn't speak it. Something like that. Although the gopis spoke as if jealous of Srimati Radharani, they were actually ecstatic to see she had captured Sri Krishna. So this is also important. <laughs> this is the, the nature of Vaikuntha, right? <laughs> if your husband is out dancing with some other women, you probably won't be ecstatic. Even if he likes those women more than he likes you, you probably won't be ecstatic. The gopis were ecstatic because they knew Krishna was was happy. Happier to be with Radha than to be with them, and therefore they were happy. And guess what, everyone? You get to go to that place. If you qualify, you get to go to that place where there's no envy. But what's the qualification? Well, you also cannot have any envy if you're going to go there. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti quotes the following detailed description. Uh, he quotes about Radharani's footprints. So we'll continue. That you could read if you want. I'm reading from Bhagavatam. If there's anything I skip over that you find interesting, you can go back and read. But for the sake of for the sake of staying on topic and the sake of time, I'm going to skip some things. Oh, girls. This is text 29. Oh, girls, the dust of Govinda's lotus feet is so sacred that even Brahma, Shiva, and the goddess Rama take that dust upon their heads to dispel sinful reactions. So, they're looking at Krishna's footprint and they're glorifying it. And um, so every, everyone... What this means is that the dust where Krishna has placed his foot is very sacred, very special, and hankered after by everyone. 
Brahma, Shiva, the goddess of fortune, etc. And now we're looking at it. These footprints of that special gopi greatly disturb us. Of all the gopis, she alone was taken away to a secluded place where she is enjoying the lips of Krishna. Look! We can't see her footprints over here. It's obvious that the grass and sprouts were hurting the tender soles of her feet, and so the lover lifted up his beloved. So now they're going in, into a transcendental state of envy because it seems to be, doesn't it? It seems to be a contradiction, doesn't it? Of, it seems to be a contradiction of what was happening before, right? So it seems like they're envious, they're not. And they're doing some Sherlock Holmes work now. Of course, Sherlock Holmes came after them. They're doing some investigation, and they're saying, wait a minute, we see her footprints, and all of a sudden we don't see her footprints. What does that mean? His footprints and her footprints, and now we don't see them together. Okay, all you Sherlock Holmes, what does it mean if there's two footprints and all of a sudden there's one? What does it mean? Let's see if you're qualified to be a private investigator. So they're, they're making a conclusion. Well, it's obvious that the grass and sprouts were hurting the tender soles of her feet. And so the lover lifted her up. So to them, they thought, they thought, okay, it's obvious that, it's obvious Krishna has lifted up Radharani. So now they're, they're, you know, just like thinking, oh, wow, she's special, more special than us. He's carrying her. We would like to be carried by him. Some thought like that. So now we read text 31. Please observe, my dear gopis, how in this place lusty Krishna's footprints are pressed more deeply into the ground. In other words, he's carrying weight. And now they're transcendentally deriding Krishna. Carrying the weight of his beloved must have been difficult for him. And over here, that intelligent boy must have put her down to gather some flowers. So they're making all this analysis based on looking at the feet. <clears throat> mm. So you want to make sense of this. It seems to be a contradiction. So let's read what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says. We actually love Sri Krishna. This is the gopis. According to Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, the gopis use the word kamina here to indicate the following thoughts. Quote, We actually love Sri Krishna, but still he has rejected us. Therefore, his private dealings with Radharani prove that this young prince of Braj has carried her away because of lust. If he were interested in love, he would have accepted us instead of that cowherd girl. So this is all transcendental. So you don't want to take it at face value. This is actually a way of glorifying Radha and Krishna by saying this. 
These thoughts reveal the mood of the gopis who are rivals of Srimati Radharani. Of course, the gopis who are direct allies were jubilant to see her good fortune. So, that clarifies that, that there are rival gopis headed by Chandravali. And the rival gopis, they are rivals to create this kind of dynamic which increases um, the rasa. So we need some rivals to, oh, you know, apparently we're against Radharani and we don't like it that Krishna has taken Radharani and this is not good and he, and we're jealous and so forth. But this is, it's not the way we, we would think it. It just appears to be this way, but it's actually helping everything. Um, so, um, so, point of clarification, the contradiction, the apparent contradiction was not that the same gopis felt this way, but the contrary gopis, the left-wing gopis, felt this way. Text 32. Just see how in this place, dear Krishna collected flowers for his beloved. Here he has left the impression of only the front part of his feet because he was standing on his toes to reach the flowers. So they're coming to all kinds of conclusions and feeling, oh, she's so special. Certainly Krishna sat down here with his girlfriend to arrange her hair. The lusty boy must have made a crown for that lusty girl out of the flowers he had collected. So, very bad thoughts they're having, right? They're imagining what's going on. But actually, they'll find out later. Not exactly. The Acharyas explained that Krishna wanted to decorate Radharani's hair with forest flowers he had collected. Therefore, they sat down together facing the same direction with Radharani between Krishna's knees, and Krishna proceeded to arrange her hair with flowers and make a flower crown for her, coronating her as the goddess of fortune. The romantic young boy and girl played and joked together in Vrindavan. Isn't, isn't it interesting? I don't know if you ever thought about this. Isn't it interesting? You say, wait a minute. How does anybody know what they're doing? I mean, it's described in Bhagavatam, so how does Sukadeva Goswami know this? Apparently there's nobody there. That interesting? And the whole Bhagavatam is like that, that there's always someone either there or someone who can hear or see transcendentally who will write it down. This is what happened. The vision is given so we can know. We now know what nobody knows. Not even the gopis were there to see. Sukhavadeva Goswami continued, Lord Krishna enjoyed with that gopi, although he enjoys only within, being self-satisfied and complete in himself. Thus, by contrast, he showed the wretchedness of ordinary lusty men and hard-hearted women. That's interesting. So, what this verse is saying is that by Krishna demonstrating his leelas of love, he's also revealing how ordinary men and women in this world, their relationship is based on lust. Interesting, right? By, by manifesting love, then he teaches the world of ordinary people that your so-called love is lust. Let's read the purport. 
This verse directly refutes the superficial criticism materialistic people sometimes direct against Lord Krishna's pastimes. The philosopher Aristotle claimed that ordinary activities are unworthy of God. And with this idea in mind, some people declare that since the activities of Lord Krishna resemble those of ordinary human beings, he cannot be the absolute truth. But in this verse, Shukadeva Goswami emphatically points out that Lord Krishna acts on the liberated platform of spiritual self-satisfaction. This fact is indicated here by the terms Atmarata, Atmarama, and Akandita. It is inconceivable to ordinary people that a handsome young boy and a beautiful young girl enjoying romantic conjugal affairs in the forest moonlight can be engaging in pure activity free from egoistic desire and lust. Yet, while Lord Krishna is inconceivable to ordinary persons, those who love him can easily realize the absolute pure nature of his activity. So, again, as we were saying in uh, this week in many of the classes, Krishna is showing us what is pure love. This is it. If you want to understand, everyone's singing about, writing about, making movies about pure love. Okay, this is it. You want to see it, it's right here. But you have to have some qualification to understand it, some level of purity, 16 rounds, four principles, for example, um, a desire to be a servant. And then you have some qualification to understand what is pure love. And as we said, we need to understand what is pure love. And also, by understanding what it is, you understand what it isn't. And what it isn't is usually what we're doing, and we're trying to imitate. That's the problem. We're good at imitation. So that's the idea. What it is and what it isn't. One may argue that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and therefore the devotees of Krishna are only imagining the Lord's activities to be pure. This argument ignores many significant facts. For one, the path of Krishna consciousness of developing love for Krishna demands that a devotee strictly follow regular principles. So, basically saying what I just said. Real beauty is perceived by the soul's eye, not by the lusty eye of the material body. Therefore, Vedic literature stresses that only those freed from material desire can see the beauty of Krishna with the eye of the pure soul anointed with love of God, Premanjana. Premanjana, Premanjana, Charita Bhakti Vilochanena. Premanjana, Charita Bhakti Vilochanena. Concert's over. Okay.
So this is um, this purport is a philosophical explanation. So I'm going to read a little more because I think it's important. One final note. The conjugal pastimes of Krishna perfectly round out his qualification as the supreme absolute truth. In other words, now you, you look at this pastime, if you're uneducated, you think, okay, you say this is God, and here he's dancing with other men's wives, and he's alone with this unmarried woman in the dead of night. What's going on? There's something wrong with this picture. So he's explaining, no. This is actually what it means to be God. If he's not doing this, maybe he's not God. Maybe he's just an ordinary person. You know, like because ordinary people can't like go out and dance. Not sixteen. Actually, there were billions of gopis. So ordinary person, what to speak of sixteen thousand, hundred and eight. He's lucky if he can get more than one. But Krishna's doing it with millions. And you say, well, if he's God, he shouldn't do that because that's bad. Bad boy, lusty boy. No, if yeah, he's the creator of lust, so he's the most lusty. So if you say he's lusty, but he's lusty on the level of God, billions, he's got dancing with billions. I'll be dancing with billions tonight. No, you can't do that. So that's the point. So when... You know, you see this and say, well, if he's God, God wouldn't do that. But the actual point is God would do that because he could do that. If you were God, you'd do it also. Wouldn't you? At least if you're a man. Because every man, he'd love to have many, many girlfriends. Like maybe a different one every hour if he could. Yeah. Sorry to say, ladies, that's how man was created, unfortunately. But if your husband is chaste to you, consider it your great fortune. You know, I was just listening to some ladies. Uh, we, there was a conference. I We put it up on Facebook, a conference about women's position in ISKCON, which I thought was very good for men to hear because it's giving the female perspective and men don't have the female perspective, so they don't think about a lot of things that were discussed in this discussion. And one second-generation devotee was saying, you know, we always talk about chastity in relation to women. Why don't we talk about chastity in relation to men? And I, and I think it's a very good point, because men, men by nature are not created to be chaste. They're created to be playboys. That's their nature. Yes, it's true. And that's why polygamy was allowed. And so Krishna is showing this is male nature. You know, have many wives. But, many girlfriends. But he can do it, and we can't. So, male chastity, have one wife, be happy. That will be good for your Krishna consciousness. Or have no wives. But if you need to get married, have one. One's enough. Um, so the fact that God has millions... That means he's God, and you're not God. So so people say, no, he couldn't be God if he had millions. No, unless he's God, he couldn't have millions. That's the point. That took me a while to say that, but I think I said it. Okay, the Vedanta, sta the Vedanta states that the absolute truth is the source of everything. So certainly the absolute truth cannot lack any of the beautiful things of this world. It is only because romantic affairs exist in a pure spiritual form in the absolute, 
that they can manifest in a perverted material form in this world. Thus, the apparent beauty of this world is not to be absolutely rejected. Rather, beauty should be accepted in its pure spiritual form. So, this point is made over and over again by Prabhupada and is one of our basic premises in trying to explain why we see things, bad things in this world. And we see them because they exist in their pure form and here they're, per, yeah, they're perverted. And also, that nothing can exist even its, in its perverted form. Nothing can exist anywhere, no tendency, whatever. Unless it exists in Krishna, it wouldn't exist in us. So men in this world are lusty. They, they, they like to enjoy with women. They like to enjoy with many women. If you have enough money, you can afford to buy women. And uh, very wealthy men often do that and later end up in jail. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we've seen this, right? You know, some woman comes out and say, this man was sexually abusive to me and then like 50 other women come out and say all oh, me too yeah he did it to me too so in any case where did that propensity come from you go to court and the judge says did you do that did you have uh, did you have your own rasalila with all the these women who were married and said yes your honor i did what do you have to say for yourself it's his fault because he does it, I do it. You can't say that. You could try, but it won't fly. So, just because Krishna does it, it means we have the propensity, but we have to control that propensity. That's the bad news for today. Sorry, guys. You can't be Krishna. You can't blame it on Krishna. Why did you do that? It's his fault. He does it. It's propensities in me. No, that won't fly in the court of Yamaraj. Since the beginning of the time, men and women have been inspired to poetic rapture by the art of romance. Unfortunately, romance in this world usually leads to crushing disappointment brought about by a change of heart or by death. Thus, although we may at first find romantic affairs beautiful and enjoyable, they are eventually spoiled by the onslaught of material nature. Still, it is unreasonable to totally reject the concept of romance. Rather, we should accept conjugal attraction in its absolute, perfect, pure form as it exists within God, without a tinge of material lust or selfishness. The pure conjugal attraction, the supreme beauty and pleasure of the supreme truth, is what we are reading about here in the pages of Bhagavatam. So, yeah. Eloquently stated what I've been trying to say. So now I'm going to check in and see if you have anything to say. I'll just go back. Back, 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 back. Canto 10, chapter 30, and then I mentioned the verses, didn't I? I think we're, we're last reading from verse 32. Okay, Ankush has a question. 
What is our spiritual relationship with Mother Radharani as a devotee? Like with Krishna, you can have him as a friend, lover, and a servant. You are always a servant. Uh, if you're fortunate, you become a servant. Radharani has friends, sakis, but... Maybe you could become a manjari and become a servant. Whatever rasa you're in, you're a servant of Radha. Even if you're a friend, you're a servant. But Radha has her friends, but they're all her servants also. And even the contrary gopis indirectly are serving. But for you right now, Ankush, in your present state, simply a humble servant of Radha. Okay, this is getting interesting. Let's go back. Now we're on, no. So Kaylee, we're on text thirty-five and thirty-six right now of the tenth canto, chapter thirty. As the gopis wandered about, their minds completely bewildered, they pointed out various signs of Krishna's pastimes. The particular gopi whom Krishna had led into a secluded forest when he had abandoned all the other young girls, began to think herself the best of women. My beloved has rejected all the gopis, she thought. Even though they are driven by Cupid himself, he has chosen to reciprocate with me alone. In other words, it's not that Radha was thinking that way. It's that the gopis were thinking that she must be thinking. Oh, I'm the best. I'm special. He left all of you for me. Mm. And if Radharani does become proud, it has nothing to do with material pride, right? This is all transcendental pride. So if you ever see that Radharani becomes proud, let me explain why. You remember, you remember I was describing this, this funny this funny idea that sometimes when a woman gets mad becomes angry her husband or boyfriend will say oh you look so beautiful when you're angry so for Krishna any any emotion that Radha exhibits whether it's anger or pride or jealousy or envy just makes her more beautiful and as we said she will only exhibit it in a situation where she knows this will be pleasing to Krishna. So if Radharani thinks, oh, I'm the best, but it's all part of the lila, which will then increase their love. So Radharani will not exhibit any emotion. Radharani will not say anything that will not be pleasing to Krishna and will not increase their love. So that's, that's how we understand it in a basic way. I think I did a Food for Life program last night by feeding the insects. I was out. Our car wouldn't start. So we had to go outside and fool around. And I think I fed the insects. And I'm suffering the after effects of that Food for Life distribution. 
course, we fed them prasadam because it's my blood, and my blood's prasadam because I eat only prasadam. So, anyway, I get some benefit. And maybe those insects become liberated, become devotees. Well, maybe I made a lot of devotees. It's a new bhakta program, right? Eat a lot of prasadam, especially sweet. Go out at night and let the bugs bite you. They'll drink your blood. They'll be taking prasadam in their next life. They'll all become devotees, at least humans. So that could be quite a bhakta program. What do you think? That was a bhakta burfi moment, everyone. Okay, we'll continue. As the two lovers passed through one part of the Vrindavan forest, the special gopi began... This, this, is, this is all Sherlock Holmes stuff. This is what the gopis are saying. This is what all their thinking is going on. As the two lovers passed through one part of Vrindavan forest, the special gopi began feeling proud of herself. She told Lord Krishna, I cannot walk any further. Please carry me wherever you want to go. So she's like, Oh, she become proud. You're going to carry me. This is what they're thinking. So, interesting, isn't it? Did you know that Rasalila had all this intrigue? And Lord Krishna, um, thus addressed, Lord Krishna replied, this is what they're saying, just climb on my shoulder. But as soon as he said this, he disappeared. His beloved consort then immediately felt great remorse. Now, maybe this is not what they're saying. Well, it's in quotes. Because they're trying to analyze what's happening. And this is actually, but actually, in a, it's a fact. He did disappear. From Radharani. Amazing. Srimati Radharani was exhibiting the pride of a beautiful girl who has brought her boyfriend under control. Thus, she told Krishna, please carry me wherever you want me to go. So the gopis were right. They understood. I can't walk anymore. Sri Krishna now disappears from her sight, intensifying her ecstatic love more and more. I think this is what the gopis are saying. Otherwise, it's Sukadev Goswami, but um, I got bamboozled here. I thought it was the gopis talking. Maybe not. Maybe it's Sukadev just describing. But in any case, this is what actually happened. Okay, verse 39. She cried out, Oh, Master, my lover, oh, dear most, where are you? Where are you? Please, oh, mighty one. Oh, friend, show yourself to me. So this actually happened. It's interesting. So, Krishna is alone with Radha, and then he disappears. Wow! And we're all sitting here thinking, how could you do that? That's, that's so cruel. It's so wrong. It's so harsh. It's so bad. And the Acharyas say, he did it for the reason that I was just discussing. Why did he do it? To increase the feelings of separation, which increases the love. So it was actually for Radharani's benefit. So let's get some more details from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Radha says, My Lord, I'm being burned in the great fire of separation from you, and my life air is about to leave my body. Even with the greatest endeavor, I cannot maintain my life. But you are the Lord of my life, and so you can quickly save me simply by glancing upon me. 
Please do so immediately. I beg you to save my life, not for my sake, but rather for yours. This is so interesting. This is so interesting. Listen, after giving up all the other gopis, you've brought me so far to a secluded place in the forest just to enjoy special pleasure with me. If I die, you will not be able to find conjugal happiness anywhere else. You will, remem you will remember me and thus lament in your sorrow. This is so interesting. So, Radharani is now separated from Krishna. And she's saying, Krishna, in your separation, I'm dying. And she's saying, I don't mind dying, but I know if I die, you will lament that I'm no longer here with you. And so my dying will make you unhappy. So please, please show up and save my life for your sake. And we could add to that. Otherwise, if, if you want me to die, I'm fine, I'll die. We were. Last week or the week before, we were mentioning that Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, if it brings pleasure to Radha, I'd be willing to die a hundred times. Of course, you can only die once, but the, the idea is if dying brings her pleasure, I'll do it over and over if I could. Hare Krishna. Interesting. Krishna replies, so let me become unhappy. What does that matter to you? So like they can't see one apparently they can't they see one another having this conversation. This is such an interesting conversation. So Krishna says, So, you know, if you die I'll become happy. What does it matter to you? And so this is just glorifying their love. And Radha says, But you are the most dear to me. I will feel your unhappiness millions of times more than you. Hare Krishna. Now we begin to go deeper into what love is. Radha is, saying, Radha is saying, if I die, you'll be unhappy. And Krishna, this is all transcendental. Krishna is exhibiting to the world what is love. He said, but so let me be unhappy. What, is it, what does it matter to you? Let me be unhappy. And then Radha, Radha says, but I will feel your unhappiness a million times more than you feel it. And she goes on to say, Even if I've already died, I still will not be able to tolerate the pain that even one spot on the nails of your lotus feet may experience. Indeed, to prevent such pain, I'm ready to throw my life away millions and millions of times. So kindly show yourself and drive away that unhappiness. So, She's saying, I cannot tolerate you being unhappy. I cannot tolerate any pain that you experience. Personally, I can die. It's no problem. If, if dying gives you pleasure, I'm ready to die. But if something's making you unhappy, I can't tolerate it. That becomes 10 million times more difficult for me. So Krishna is just... It's, this is Krishna's way of, of glorifying Radha. Right? This, is, this whole conversation is just a way to, to glorify her through 
um, to glorify her to the world. Look at this devotion by by arranging this conversation. He's basically saying, "Hey, everyone, look. You want to know what love is? This is it. This conversation. Check this out. This is it." And then Krishna says, but if your life errs on the verge of leaving your body, what can I do to stop it? And then Radha says, simply by the touch of your arms, which are a medicinal herb with the power to revive the dead, my body will return to its healthy, normal condition, and my life air will automatically come back and remain in my body. Krishna says, but you know the forest path yourself without my help, so... Why did you order me the king's son, a very young and gentle boy who is to be respected? Why did you command, take me wherever you wish? Why do you anger me like this? Of course, Krishna is joking here. Radha cries out, please show yourself, because does, she doesn't see her. Please show yourself to your wretched maidservant. Be merciful to me. Be merciful. When I ordered you, I was overcome by sleepiness. I was so tired from playing with you. Therefore, please excuse me what your poor servant said. So now she's apologizing for asking Krishna. So Krishna's like, why did you make me carry you? So I'm sorry, I was tired. Please don't be angry. It was only because you treated me like such a close friend, though I am unworthy that I spoke like this to you. All right, my love, I'm very pleased with you. So please come to me. But I've been blinded by lamentation. I can't see where you are. Please tell me where you are. So, as I said, Krishna is just revealing to the world what um, this this whole conversation and this whole pastime is just glorifying Radharani. Isn't it? You agree? So I'm going to... Um, yeah, I just went back to see if you have any... Krishna is saying, do the gopis have the qualities of the apsaras? The apsaras are actually prostitutes. Heavenly prostitutes. Okay, guys, don't get any ideas. They'll go to heaven. They have prostitutes up there. Yeah. No, so. Apsaras are very, very beautiful women. The gopis' beauty is not material. It's beyond the beauty of the apsaras. Although, so Anandita says, although Krishna has this propensity to enjoy and we have a propensity to enjoy, our propensity is impure and doesn't lead to tangible, fulfilling enjoyment. Is this correct? 100%, 108%. So Krishna Karshani likes my new Bhakta program. So she's going to go out tonight and feed the mosquitoes. Make sure you eat sweets before you go out. They'll eat more. I was actually thinking like that yesterday, that if insects suck my blood and I'm taking prasadam, then they're taking prasadam, yeah. Sonal. Sadya Rupa. Yeah, good thought. What is considered spiritual love? Everything we're reading right now. If you're willing to die a million times for someone, that's spiritual love. 
If their unhappiness causes you unlimited pain, that's spiritual love. If your pleasure causes them pain, you will give up your pleasure. If your pain causes them happiness, you'll tolerate it. You'll not only tolerate it, you'll enjoy it. That's You just study Radha and you'll understand spiritual love. Gopis are infinitely more beautiful than any woman of this world or the higher planets. And the women of the higher planets are thousands of, a thousand times more beautiful than the women on this planet. So who could understand the beauty of the gopis? You can't. You'll just have to go there. And everything will be just fantastic when you get there. You know, <laughs> it describes in the heavenly planets, they they have different kinds of, the different bodies made of different elements, and you can tell from the skin, like, what, what planet they're from. Did you know that? It's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, this planet we have to put makeup on to look good. Sometimes, you know, they put makeup on when a person dies. They look better than they've ever looked in their whole life when they're dead. There's a devotee. Um, she has a show called Those Hare Krishnas. And she has, in one of the shows, she has clips from movies and television shows all about Hare Krishnas. And in one scene of one show... This guy is talking to a skeleton, but the skeleton has like a jacket on. He's sitting on a bus. And the skeleton says, you're boring me to death, and I'm already dead. So that was funny. Yes. I don't know why I told that. What did, why did I tell that? What, did, what was that in relation to? Um, yeah. The, anyway. It was the, the skin. You'll know what planet they're from by their skin. Oh, and yeah, we, need, we require makeup to look good. Okay, we still have a half hour. This is helping us understand the love of Radha and Krishna. So this is text 40. Sukadeva Goswami said, while continuing to search out Krishna's path, the gopis discovered their unhappy friend close by. She was bewildered by separation from her lover. So Krishna did not show up and yet, and now the gopis found her. And everything changes now in the gopis' minds. She told them how Madhava had given her much respect, but now but how she then suffered dishonor because of her misbehavior. The gopis were extremely amazed to hear this because she asked Krishna to carry her. That was the misbehavior. Purport, it was natural for Radharani to ask Krishna to carry her, for this request was consistent with the loving mood of their relationship. Now, however, in great humility, she describes her behavior as wicked. Hearing of these affairs, the other gopis are astonished. Like, there's nothing wrong with asking him to carry you, that's natural. 
she's being very humble and she's very upset. In search of Krishna, the gopis then entered the depths of the forest as far as the light of the moon shone. But when they found themselves engulfed in darkness, they decided to turn back. So they were looking for Krishna. They couldn't find him. Mm. Verse 43. Their minds absorbed in thoughts of Krishna. They conversed about him, acted out his pastimes, and felt themselves filled with his presence. They completely forgot about their homes as they loudly sang the glories of Krishna's transcendental qualities. So, so this is beautiful because now they're feeling separation from Krishna, but they're chanting his glories and they're not feeling separation. And of course, we've heard a million times that Krishna is non-different from his name or his glories. And sometimes we get a little taste of that, a little experience of it. And here we're seeing that these distraught gopis are now feeling pacified. So for them, Krishna is always present. And even when he's not present, it's just, it's not true. He's even more present. He's even more present when they say he's not present. Purport. Actually, there's no separation from Krishna for the pure devotee. Although apparently abandoned by Krishna, the gopis were actually tightly connected to him by the spiritual process of Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, hearing and chanting the glories of the Lord. It's interesting. Maybe I should have given the purports to Bhagavatam. What do you think? Because I give the purport, then I read the purport, and it's the same thing. You know, actually what it is, I was I was listening to a, a lecture this morning, part of a lecture by my godbrother, and he was saying so many things. And I was listening to another one last night by God Sister, and she was saying so many things. And I was thinking, yeah, we're all saying the same thing because we heard everything from Prabhupada, right? We're all, it's like, you know, what are you going to say about this verse? And then you read the purport. Well, your God brothers, they wrote the purport. Oh, they say the same thing, and we were all hearing from Prabhupada. We know what Prabhupada says. The gopis again came back to the bank of the Kalindi, so they had left the Jumuna, gone into the forest to find Krishna. Meditating on Krishna and eagerly hoping he would come, they sat down together to sing of him. And then Krishna comes back. You want to hear about Krishna coming back? Now, in the next chapter, this is called the Songs of the Gopis. They're just, they're singing beautiful songs of love, glorifying Krishna, because that's what a devotee does. These are nice verses. Be nice to record these verses. So these are the songs of the gopis, glorifying Krishna. So even though they're feeling, okay, we became proud, he left us, they're not resentful. They're not chastising him. Mm. They're just glorifying him and asking that you accept us as your maidservants. Um. Yeah, here's a verse I want to read because um, 
It's a famous verse. So we go to 10.31.9. If you don't know this verse, please learn this verse. This verse is a significant verse and quoted by Prabhupada a lot. And it's also in relation to a story of King Pratyaparudra when Mahaprabhu accepted this king as his devotee. So, tabakatamritam taptajivanam. I think Bhakti Charuswami, he also sang this verse in a different, a certain melody. Tabakatamritam taptajivanam kabir viriditam karamashapaham shavanamangalam shrimaratatam puvigananthiye buridajanaha you may find some recordings of him singing this. Translation. The nectar of your... This is the prayers of the gopis. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. The Prabhupada often says that the gopis showed that even though they were very simple, uh, they had deep love for Krishna, or the greatest love for Krishna, which, which demonstrates you don't have to be a great scholar to be a lover of Krishna. But then if you actually study the things they say, you'll see that they were great scholars. Well, they needed to be. They didn't have, and of course, they came as the Goswamis, the greatest scholars. So that's interesting. So this verse is, you know, it's philosophical. The nectar of your words and the descriptions of your activities are the life and soul of those suffering in this material world. These narrations transmitted by learned sages eradicate one's sinful reactions and bestow good fortune upon whoever hears them. These narrations are broadcast all over the world and are filled with spiritual power. Certainly those who spread the message of Godhead are most munificent. This verse, most munificent, is Burijan. The last, I think it's the last, last word. Burida janaha, burida, most beneficent person. So burijan means most beneficial, beneficent, benef benevolent, the most benevolent person, and of course our God brother, which most of you know, burijan prabhu. Those who give knowledge are most munificent. And um, it's interesting that they're quote, they're re, they're reciting this because they're burning in feelings of separation, and they're hearing and chanting about Krishna, and they're just expressing what they're feeling. That hearing and chanting about you is the it relieves us. Those who are suffering in this world, and there's a song. Brindavan Ramayastana Divya Chintamanita Ranamandira Manohara I believe Narottam Das Thakur wrote the song. Beautiful line, the last line of that song. Said He said by He said by hearing and chanting about, and by remembering Krishna's pastimes, even we can be happy even in this miserable material world. That's the translation. We can be happy 
even in this miserable material world, by hearing and chanting about Krishna. So, all you miserable people, you, yeah, you, you miserable people in the material world, you can overcome your misery by hearing and chanting about Krishna. And what was his point? Well, you won't be in the material world anymore when you do it. So, the same point is being made here. Hearing and chanting about your, your words and descriptions are life and soul of those suffering in the material world. Um, yeah. So let's read the purport. It's interesting. But first I'll give some background. There, there is a king who was a devotee. You may know the story. His name is Maharaj Pratra Purudra. He's the king of Puri. And he wanted to see Mahaprabhu. And he was a great devotee. But it was the custom, tradition, practice that a sannyasi would not associate with worldly people just to protect his sannyas. That included kings, he wouldn't associate with women, pounds, shilling, pence men. That's a British statement. Pounds, shilling, pence, that means rupees and paisa, dollars and cents. That's what you're concerned about. And so the devotees asked Mahaprabhu and said, please see him, he's a great devotee, he, he wants your darshan. And Mahaprabhu said, no. He actually said, there's no way I will see a king. Then again the devotees asked, he said, please see him, he really wants to see you, he's a great devotee, you're his life and soul, he dedicates everything to you. And Lord Chaitanya said, no. I'm a sannyasi. And then Lord Chaitanya got very heavy. He said, if you ask, if you keep asking, I'll leave. I'll leave Puri. Don't ask anymore. This is all transcendental pastime. His devotees were very distraught. And so was Maharaj Pratapurudra. And so during Ratayatra, Ratayatra, that's how it's pronounced. It's not pronounced Ratayatra. I'm going to Ratayatra, Pabu. It's Rata Yatra. Of course, I don't expect you to say it that way. But just in case you want to, Rata Yatra, in case you're interested in speaking Sanskrit the way it's supposed to be spoken rather than the way you speak it with your accent, that's how you... So, at Rata Yatra, and you may catch me saying Rata Yatra sometime, and you go, Maharaj, no, it's Rata Yatra. You can correct me. We'll have fun. So, you know about the Atra, there's always a devotee dressed up as a king and he's sweeping the road in front of the cart. Well, that's what Maharaj Prachapuruja did. So following that tradition, we do it. And when Mahaprabhu saw that, he said, humility, this humility of the king, I will give him my mercy. And at that, at that point, Mahaprabhu agreed to see him because of his humility. Interesting. So let's read the purport. King Prachapuruja recited this verse to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu during Lord Jagannath's Ratyatra festival. While the Lord was resting in a garden, King Prachaparudra humbly entered and began massaging his legs and lotus feet. In other words, Mahaprabhu said he could see him. So he was in a garden resting, and then Marsh Prachaparudra came. Then the king recited the 31st chapter of the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. That's this chapter. The Song of the Gopis. The Chaitanya Charitamrita relates that when Lord Chaitanya heard this verse beginning Tavakatamritam, 
he immediately arose in ecstatic love and embraced King Prataparudra. This incident is described in detail in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya 14.4 through 18. And in his edition, Srila Prabhupada has given extensive commentary on this. So if you're interested, that's Madhya 14.4 through 18. Um, and it will glorify, it will elaborate why this verse was so important for Mahaprabhu. But let's read it again, just so you get some remembrance of it. This again is 1031.9. Tavakatam ritam tapta jivanam kaviberiditam kalamashapaham shavanamangalam srimaratatam puvigranantiye bhurida janaha Tavakatam ritam tapta jivanam kaviberiditam Kalmasapaham Shavanamangalam Shimaratatam Bhuvigarantiye Puridajanaha. I'll read the translation once more. The nectar of your words and the description of your activities are the life and soul of those suffering in this material world. The Mahaprabhu is suffering separation. So this verse was like was like the panacea for his separation. These narrations transmitted by learned sages eradicate one's sinful reactions and bestow good fortune upon whoever hears them. These narrations are broadcast all over the world and are filled with spiritual power. Certainly those who spread the message of Godhead are most munificent. So Mahaprabhu felt like this was this verse was such a blessing and a jewel for him, and he and Maharaj Prataparudra gave him that jewel, he was so happy. So, this is a chapter glorifying, and I would like to come to the last chapter because it has a happy ending. There's another, oh, so many nice verses, okay. Let's, I'm just trying to skip, uh, but I can't skip this verse. When you go off to the forest during the day, a tiny fraction of a second becomes like a millennium for us because we cannot see you. And even when we can eagerly look upon your beautiful face, so lovely with its adornment of curly locks, our pleasure is hindered by our eyelids, which were fashioned by the foolish creator. So here they're, they're chastising Brahma because he created eyelids in that nanosecond. You don't see Krishna. So Ankush, I think it was Ankush, you're asking what is love? This is another symptom of love. That... It bothers you that you blink your eyes because for that one moment, one, one nanosecond, you, your vision is blocked. Meditate on that for a few million, million years and see if you can understand that intensity of love. You can stay up at night, Ankush, meditating on how much love one has to have, how much beauty is there in Krishna that if for a nanosecond you can't see them, it disturbs you. Mm. Now they start chastising Krishna. This is, sometimes you see the gopis do this. Um, how could you, you know, it's like, look what kind of person you are. You Young women come to you in the middle of the night and then you leave them alone in the forest. And, you know, we've rejected everything for you and then you leave us. And, you know, it's your, your, your flute, you play your flute and what can we do? You know, once you play your flute, we're like, that's it. 
It's like putting the potato chips in front of a hungry kid. That's it. The whole bag is gone. So you play your flute. That's it. It's over. You know, what can we do? And now you leave us? You know, what's going on here? Um, and then they say, well, you know, we're remembering you and it's driving us crazy in separation because we're hankering more and more to be with you by remembering you. So Krishna was, you know, you wonder, well, why? Why this pastime? Krishna was doing all this just to increase their love. And you can see it's it's working. They're just expressing their anxiety. So the word like... Uh, okay, let's read this one. This is good. This is like, uh, I don't know, I think... I think reading this Rasalila is so important for us if we read it in a philosophical way because this is this is how you understand the highest love. It's right here. O oh, beloved, your all auspicious appearance vanquishes the distress of those living in Braja's forest. Our minds long for your association. Please give to us just a bit of that medicine which counteracts the disease in your devotee's heart. Purport. According to the Acharyas, the gopis repeatedly entreat Lord Krishna to place his lotus feet on their breasts. The gopis are not victims of material lust, but rather they are absorbed in pure love of Godhead and thus want to serve Lord Krishna's lotus feet by offering their beautiful breasts to him. <clears throat> Materialistic persons who are victims of mundane sex desire will not be able to understand how these conjugal dealings take place on a pure spiritual platform. And that is the materialist's great misfortune. So our greatest misfortune is that we don't understand these pastimes. But if we understand them through Srila Prabhupada, through the Acharyas, through the commentaries, through the Vaishnavas, then we can enter into this like amazing, amazing place in understanding Krishna's Leela. Mm. As we said... There's no lust. And if the gopis say, Krishna, put your feet on our breast, it's only because they know that will please him. Mm. And the last verse, and you may have heard this, it said, and they're saying, but if you put it on our breast, your feet are so soft, <laughs> we're afraid. <laughs> that will even hurt your feet. Hare Krishna. So, um, there's a happy ending. Um, Maybe we'll have to save the ending for the next class. I just want to go to questions. If you have any, I'm going to check. What are the scriptures read by the devotees? As Prabhupada said, they're not scholars. But you don't need to be. They know they love Krishna, so why do they need to read anything? Once you love Krishna, you know everything about him. And of course, yeah, as Prabhupada said, you know what you need to know. So they're not gopis are playing the role of pure lovers of Krishna, not as scholars. So they don't need sadhana. Oh the gopis didn't read Bhagavatam today. Oh my god, will they fall down? No. You don't need, you know, you when you're out of the hospital and you're cured, you don't need to go back in the You don't have to do what you did in the hospital. So we do it because we're ill. And they're manifesting love, so they don't have sadhana. 
Sadhana is for those who don't have love. Mm. You're talking about the skin. Um, where those verses are about the skin. I'm not sure. Maybe Mahabharat. I think there's some, you know, because sometimes, you know, someone from Earth will come up to a higher planet or someone from a higher planet will come down and they can tell by their skin where they're from. So it could be Mahabharata or it could be in the section of Bhagavatam that describes the heavenly planets or the subterranean heaven, heavenly planets. So, I, my goal, my goal is to make you all homesick. My goal is to make you homesick so you want to go back to Krishna. And if I can make you homesick, I will consider my life a great success. So we have, I want to tell a story at the end, it's a really amazing story, but it'll only take a minute. We, we can read a little. And this, this is chapter 32. This is when Krishna comes back to the gopis and they go in the Jamuna and start playing. So I, we can leave on a happy ending. Uh. <clears throat> Sukadeva Swami said, this is the first verse, O king, having thus sung and spoken their hearts out in various charming ways, the gopis began to weep loudly. They were very eager to see Lord Krishna again. Then Lord Krishna, a smile on his lotus face, appeared before the gopis. Now your day won't be depressing anymore. Wearing a garland and a yellow garment, he directly appeared as one who can bewilder the mind of Cupid, who himself bewilders the minds of ordinary people. When the gopis saw their dear most Krishna had returned to them, they all stood up at once. And out of their affection for him, their eyes bloomed wide. It was as if the air of life had re-entered their bodies. Oh, I think we need music for this, right? Hold on. If I'm going to read this. Okay, we're going to have a dramatic ending, everyone. Hope you don't cry. We're going to put on the dramatic music. Well, maybe it shouldn't be so dramatic now because... Now it's like happy. This one is interesting. Text four. One gopi joyfully took Krishna's hand between her folded palms, and another placed his arm, anointed with sandalwood paste, on her shoulder. A slender gopi respectfully took her joined hands, in her joined hands the betel nut he had chewed, and another gopi, burning with desire, put his lotus feet on her breasts. One gopi, beside herself with loving anger, bit her lips and stared at him with frowning eyebrows, as if to wound him with her harsh glances. 
Another gopi looked with unblinking eyes upon his lotus face. But even after deeply relishing its sweetness, she did not feel satiated, just as mystic saints are never satiated when meditating upon the Lord's feet. When Gobi took the Lord through the aperture of her eyes and placed him within her heart, then with her eyes closed and her bodily hair standing on end, she continuously embraced him within. Thus immersed in transcendental ecstasy, she resembled a yogi meditating upon the Lord. All the gopis enjoyed the greatest festivity when they saw their beloved Keshava again. They gave up the distress of separation, just as people in general forget their misery when they gain the association of a spiritually enlightened person. Encircled by the gopis, who were now relieved of all distress, Lord Achuta, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, shone forth splendidly. My dear King, Krishna thus appeared like the Super Soul, encircled by his spiritual potencies. The Almighty Lord then took the gopis with him to the bank of the Kalindi, who, with the hands of her waves, had scattered piles of soft sand upon the shore. In that auspicious place, the breeze, bearing the fragrance of blooming kunda and mandara flowers, attracted many bees, and the abundant rays of the autumn moon dispelled the darkness of night. Hare Krishna. So then what happens after this happy ending is that they they play in the Jumuna for like a million years, a day of Brahma, whatever. Something like that. Mm. So, um, as we can see, hearing about the gopis and Radharani is important for cultivating our bhakti, and it has to be done carefully and in a very philosophical way. But if we do, then we're able to understand what is pure love. And as it is said, when you hear about the gopis' pure love, it will purify it will purify us of our lust. So that's the idea. So, Hare Krishna. Srimati Radharani Kijay. So we've had um, a number of classes, maybe four, five, six on Radharani. Well, total, around Radhasmi time, I had already given five classes over those uh, three days of radostomy. So we've probably had more, maybe nine or ten. So I think we have a good understanding. I think it's been helpful. So before we leave, I want to tell a story. I don't know if many of you have heard this story. It's a beautiful story. Those of you who have been to Mayapur know that near Mayapur, about a 15-minute or so rickshaw ride up the road, Oh, maybe maybe five miles, four miles up the road, three miles. 
there's a temple of Jagannath, and it's a very special temple, and Lord Jagannath was found there, and he's a very ancient deity of Jagannath and a very special deity. And this deity has amazing pastimes. It does. This is, this is a very extraordinary deity, and this deity has done many amazing things. And I want to tell one modern story of this deity. Just, it, it's, not, it's not related to this class directly, but I heard it yesterday, and while it's still in my mind, I want to share it, because I may forget to share it if I don't share it now. And so some devotees had gone to the Jagannath temple, and they had taken a rickshaw. And while they're in the temple, the rickshaw wallow was waiting. And so the devotee thought, we're getting prasadam from Jagannath, why don't I bring some prasadam to the rickshaw wallow? Turns out that rickshaw wallow was upset. The rickshaw wallow was a Muslim, and he was very upset, and he took the prasadam, and he threw it on the ground. He said, I am a Muslim, I don't take this. You know, he just said bad things about the prasadam. The devotee was okay. He said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. He was nice. And they picked up whatever prasadam they could from the ground. The next day, this same rickshaw wallah, Muslim man, is seen in the temple worshipping Jagannath. What happened? Stay tuned next year and I will tell you what happened. Okay, I'll tell you now. So the Pajari, or one of the devotees there, said it's uh, unusual that we would see you worshipping Lord Jagannath, you're a Muslim, and Muslims generally are not worshipping Lord Jagannath, although in the history of that temple some have for various reasons, as far as I remember. Anyway, so this Rickshaw Wallace says, this is, you know, contemporary story. It's not like hundreds. This has happened within the time of Viscon. The Rickshaw Wallace says, Last night I had a dream. And that white one had me against the wall and he was beating me, telling me, don't ever disrespect my brother's prasadam. And he's beating me, beating, beating me. And the one in the middle was saying, kill him, kill him, kill him. And the black one there, he was just smiling and laughing. Hare Krishna. So, for all of you who have some doubt that Krishna is present in the deity, well, may this story relieve you of that doubt. And now, it is 9.30, which is exactly an hour and a half. Well, actually, I started early. No, we've gone over 37 seconds. This, this actually has the exact time. You've got, uh, you're getting a 60-second bonus today. Okay, so um, all of you who want to join us at noon, we're going to be chanting Japa. That's that's two and a half hours. And then tonight, for the devotees, well, it's good for some of you, tonight for the devotees in Australia, we're doing a Japa class at seven for the kids. So it's basically the same thing for the adults, but it's just presented so kids can understand it. So if you'd like to come, that's at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, New York. New York Time, if you're from New York, we're on the same time here in Alachua. So Hare Krishna to all of you. And then 
Tomorrow there are two japa sessions, one for kids and one for teenagers. And then there's another course given by the London School of Bhakti, but you have to pay 10 pounds, which is probably $12 or $13. It's a course on the cost of, of resentment. They're like, I have like 10 or 20 things that happen when you hold on to resentment to totally mess your life up. So that's going to be discussed. And then again, Saturday evening at 7, we have our Bhagavad Gita course in Chinese. Which, of course, whenever we have a course in Spanish or in Chinese or Russian, which we do every week, you don't have to worry because I don't speak Spanish, Russian, or Chinese. So the class is actually in English. So don't get discouraged. And it's translated to those languages. So you, you're welcome to attend even if you're not Chinese or Russian or from South America or Mexico or Spain. Okay. Hare Krishna to all of you. Srila Prabhupada ki jai go premanandi. Hare Hare Bo.